So uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, in these last few days of preparation, uh, before Christmas in this season of Advent, we pray that you would make in us a humble home, that you would take away all pride and vanity from our hearts, that you would uh, uh, humble us, that we may receive the babe afresh and anew on Christmas Day, that we may praise him and honor him and trust him in all that we do, and may we follow the example of Mary as she trusted your word. And she knew that nothing was impossible with our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So there's a woman who has a child, a young lady, 16 years of age, named Darla. And the woman takes her daughter Darla to the doctor. And she'd been having these strange cravings, strange foods late at night. And and uh, she put on some weight, and mother was concerned. And uh, also, she um, was being sick oftentimes in the morning. And so she takes her to the doctor, and the doctor gives her a thorough examination. And after the examination, he turns to the woman and says, Your daughter is pregnant. Four months pregnant. And uh, then she said, Oh, it cannot be. My daughter cannot be pregnant. She is a virgin. And she turns to Darla and says, isn't that right, Darla? She said, yes, ma'am, Mama. I've never known a man in my life. Never even held hands with a man before. So the doctor goes over to the window, looks out the window for a while, and the mother says, Doc, is there something wrong? And he says to her, well, the last time I heard a tale like that, there was a star shining in the heavens and wise men coming from the east. And I wasn't going to miss it this time around. <laughs> well, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we do meet a virgin, a real virgin. And her name was Mary. And uh, Mary sang a song to us today. It's probably the first Christmas carol. And to, today we'll go caroling as a church family but this is probably the first Christmas carol because she got salvation and she sang a song. We call it the Magnificat in Latin or it's Mary's song today. So I want us to consider today the importance of Mary. How is she important in the Christian Christmas story? Because Elizabeth, her kinswoman, said this about her in Luke chapter 1 verse 39. She said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So what made her blessed? What blessed Mary? Now, I'll have to say that Roman Catholics, I've got many friends who are Roman Catholic, love the Roman Catholic Church. They gave a lot to Christendom through the years. But they really say too much about Mary. They say things about Mary that are not in the Scriptures. Last year about this time, we had some painters in Conway to paint our house and they asked if they could have December 8th off. They were Roman Catholics and said, today's a day of religious obligation. Could we take the day off? I said, sure. They said, well, good. Well, we're celebrating the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. He said, do you, do you Anglicans, do y'all celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? I said, no, we don't. Do you know what that's about? It's not actually the Immaculate Conception of Jesus that they were going to celebrate. It's the immaculate conception of Mary. Mary, born without sin, who did not sin the rest of her entire life. That's what they were celebrating. But not only that, she was perpetually a virgin. 
She was not only a virgin when she birthed Jesus, but she was a virgin for the rest of her life. I mean, what a boring life that was for Joseph, for goodness sake. (laughs) And where did those brothers and sisters come from? Who knows? And then on August the 15th, they celebrate something called the Assumption of Mary. And that is that Mary did not die a physical death. She ascended into heaven and was assumed by God into the holy ranks. None of that's scriptural. None of that's biblical. They also believe that that Mary's a co-redemptor with Jesus. That she is a co-mediator with Jesus. And that for Jesus' sacrifice to be effective, it only comes through the grace that Mary offers Oh my goodness, what a special person, but not biblical. St. Bernard of Siena, Bernadine, I'm sorry, of Siena, Roman Catholic, said this, Every grace that is communicated to this world follows a threefold course. He said, For grace is dispensed by God to Christ, from Christ to the Virgin, and from the Virgin to the world, to us. Wow, that's pretty important, but not biblical. Mary in the Roman Catholic Church is worthy of praise and adoration and worship because she's a dispenser of God's grace. We don't believe that. I'm sorry, Anglicans don't believe that. In other words, for Roman Catholics, Mary is a rock star. I mean, she's like Madonna. Actually, she is the Madonna. (laughs) What am I saying? She's like the Beatles and Elvis and the Rolling Stones all wrapped together. And I think that Mary would be a bit embarrassed by that modern-day image of her. The Mary we meet in the Bible is not that at all, is she? So what does the Bible say about her? Why does Jesus say that she is blessed? Well, there's something about Mary, and I want you to turn to chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel. We'll be getting into that today. We'll look at what Luke says was significant about Mary. But first of all, let me put this scripture on your heart. 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 28. And I don't, I don't have the slide for you, so you have to listen. Here's how Paul describes how God works in the world. Paul says that God works like this. God chooses what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, Paul says, in order to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. Sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? Paul can be confusing. But what he is saying is that the way that God works is he never chooses perfect people. He never chooses absolutely equipped people. What God chooses is the lowly and the meek and the humble. So that after God's salvific work is accomplished in the world, nobody's going to be able to say, I did this. I did this. No one can say that. That's why he chose Mary. Mary was nothing. I mean, she's a middle school student. She's about at that age, 12, 13, 14. She's a peasant girl, just entered into puberty. She's got all the struggles and hopes and dreams that that kids in our youth group have. She's done nothing significant in her life. She's nothing And God chooses what is insignificant, Paul says, in order that the things that think they're significant might be brought to nothing. Notice in chapter 1, verse 28. Turn with me there, if you will, if you're not there yet. Notice 
what made Mary great. First of all, it's her humility. It says the angel Gabriel came to announce something to her, and he came to her and said this, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, look at Mary's response in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this may be. What is Gabriel thinking? I'm just a young middle school student. He's chosen the wrong woman. He's called the wrong person. I'm just an ordinary girl. He could have chosen girls that are prettier and smarter and more well-equipped and capable than I am. What is he thinking? I am the favored one of God. You hear the humility in her spirit? What kind of greeting is this, Gabriel? Mary doesn't notice, jump out and say, you know, I've been expecting this all of my life. I knew you were coming. I'm a great person, born of a virgin, live my whole life without sin, and one day I'm going to ascend into heaven just like my son. She doesn't say that, does she? She doesn't say, I'm definitely the woman for the job. I am woman, hear me roar. She sa- he says that she is favored, and she says, you know, why am I favored? What greeting is this? Why would I be favored? So she responds in humility, and she sp- responds with grace, because people are elected by God's divine appointment. And she knew that. Luke 146, she starts to sing. Look at that. Here's her song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. That's your answer. Why was she blessed? Because she was humble. Because she knew that she was a sinner of low estate. And that God had chosen to do something amazing through her. My soul magnifies the Lord. The Greek word there is megos. And the megos is the same word from which we get megaphone. She is magnifying the Lord, magnifying what he's done. She is blessed by divine election and grace alone. Nothing that she's done. Notice, though, throughout the Bible, every person that's ever called by God is called by election and grace alone. It has nothing to do with the willpower of man. I mean, just read that first chapter of Luke's gospel, and what will you see? You'll see a 70-ish old woman named Elizabeth who has been barren for her entire life, who is brought into the story of salvation, and she's able to conceive a child in her later years. She and Zechariah will have a son named John, and he will pave the way for the Savior of the world to come, Jesus. That's amazing. Another woman who has never known relations with a man will bear a son and his name will be Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Gabriel's commentary on God's divine election and salvation is this. Look at verse uh, 37. For nothing, Mary, will be impossible with our God. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Mary was a great example not only of humility, but trust that God could do great things, the impossible, through lowly people. The thing that made her lowliness, though, um, come out in faith 
was that what come out in trust is that she was a woman of great faith. The third thing, she's lowly, she trusts God, but also it comes out of her faith. In verse 44 and 45, look at this. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now John is doing the happy dance in utero. He is supposed to be the prophetic man who's paving the way for Jesus, and his first prophecy comes in the womb. He is preparing the way even in the womb. Isn't that kind of neat? And Elizabeth says to Mary in verse 45, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She's a woman of faith, of belief. Why? Because of the word spoken to her. What would it have taken for Mary to believe in the way that she did? Consider it again. I mean, she's a middle school kid. She's in puberty. She's got all of her hopes and dreams before her. She's met Joseph, the man of her dreams. She's planning her wedding. She's got all this pressure on her shoulders. Finances, the relationship, security, the future. Got to think about all these things. Mary's at that point in her life. She's got all these things to think about. And bam, suddenly an angel comes from heaven and says, you've been chosen. You've been chosen by God to bear his son, Emmanuel, God with us. And she says, well, how can this be? I'm just a virgin. And the angel says that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is going to overshadow you and allow you to conceive a child. And you're going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world. But no pressure on you now, Mary. We're all counting on you, but no pressure. So when Mary hears the word of salvation and hears that Elizabeth is also pregnant with child and that child is going to play a part in the salvation of the world, what does she do with all these pressures? Does she shrink back in fear? No. She packs her bags in faith. Look at this. She goes 100 miles into the Judean wilderness from her home, either on camel or by foot while she's pregnant, to celebrate the Savior's coming with her kinswoman Elizabeth. Wow, what faith. A woman of great humility, a woman of complete trust in Jesus and in God, a woman who was living her life for the glory of God. And her greatness came through knowing the Word of God. Look at Luke 1.37. Gabriel says this is her turning point in the story. For nothing will be impossible with God. 137. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. How often do we in the Christian church today get to the Old Testament and we say to ourselves, You know, I don't like the Old Testament. It's too challenging. It's got all that violence in it. That's not for me. Or we get to St. Paul and we say, oh, he was patriarchal and I don't like St. Paul. It's a hard word for me. I don't like it. I've even heard people say to me, you know, my God would never say that kind of thing. Does Mary do that? No. It says, let it be to me according to your word. Lord, this is a difficult word for me. It's hard for me to hear. It's going to upset my entire life, but I trust you. I trust your word, and I trust your goodness, and I know your plan is always right. 
As crazy as it sounds, as impossible as it sounds, I'm all in, God. It's kind of like Jesus would say the night before he died. He says, uh, not my will, but yours be done. That's Mary's attitude. Isn't it great? She was a woman steeped in the word of God. I mean, her song today, it actually is very reminiscent of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. About how Hannah, too, a barren woman, was overcome with a miracle from God, and she bore forth a miracle son. That had to be the inspiration for Mary's song today. So when Mary begins to sing, we know that she's a woman steeped in the scriptures. She knows God's word. She trusts God's word. It was the knowledge of God's word that allowed her to say yes to God's mission. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And she taught Jesus the word. I know she did. Because later on, Jesus is approached by a crowd in Luke eleven twenty seven. It says, While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women of the crowd raised a voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that, that nursed you. But Jesus said to that person, On the contrary, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That's what we learn from Mary. A complete trust in the word of God. And what springs forth from that trust? Worship. Worship. When the plan of salvation had been rolled out by Gabriel, and when she had gone to Elizabeth to celebrate the plan of salvation with her kinswoman, she exchanges all the worries in her life for worship. For worship. Now isn't that a message that we all need at Advent? What are your struggles? What are your anxieties? What, what, what are your fears? Do you fear the future? Do you think that your fears are greater than Mary's? Because they're not. Remember, she had every reason in the world to say no to the plan. She's going to go home, and people are going to make fun of her. And she's going to have to say, well, the child in me, it may not be from Joseph, but it's from God. I mean, that's a hard sell, isn't it? They're going to make fun of her the rest of her life. They're going to call her names. They're going to besmirch her reputation because she's having a child outside of wedlock with Joseph, whom she never knew until Jesus was born. So, Joseph, she has to be thinking, will you leave me? Will you divorce me? Will you stone me when I get home? Because that's an option. Under the Mosaic law, if she's betrothed to Joseph, she could be stoned. And what does she do? She exchanges all those worries for worship. She worshiped. She burst forth in worship. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Magnifies. The old English word for worship is to give God his worth. Worth-ship becomes worship. So when we magnify the Lord, we're giving God his due, the honor due his name. And you know something amazing happens when you stand in adoration and praise and worship of God and his salvation, we become lower. We become more insignificant. And with that, our troubles become more insignificant. When God is trusted on that level, when he's magnified, we go low and our troubles disappear. John the baptizer would say that when Jesus came. He said, he, Jesus, must increase and be magnified, but I must decrease and shrink away. 
You see, Mary knew that it is in praise and adoration and worship of Jesus, the Most High God, that our troubles disappear. So we remember that adoration resets the hard drive of the human heart. Your hard drive can be written over with a lot of bad data, all the anxieties and fears and pressures of life, and it is our praise that resets our hearts. So what can we learn from Mary? She was humble. She trusted God in spite of the circumstances around her. She believed wholeheartedly that his word was true and that he was always good, and she worshiped him with her entire heart. That's the way she'd want to be remembered. So in this season of Advent, may we learn to be more like Mary. May our souls magnify the Lord for all he has done for the humble and meek of this world. May we magnify him for his goodness, that he has shown mercy to those who will serve him and love him. And when God calls upon you to do an extraordinary work for him, just like Mary, remember this. Gabriel said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Let us pray.